Well, we're talking about what does God say about? Now, we had a few of them. Today, we're going to talk about doing the right thing. And the word we use is integrity. How many, how many want to know what God says about different issues? Now, do we want to know it here, or do we want to know it to do it? How many of you read Bible passages or scripture or even books that challenge you on certain issues and you, not, you don't like it too much? It's like, oh man, does God make me do that? Yes, he does. I think most Christians want to do the right thing. And I think our difficulty is either not knowing what God says or misunderstanding what the Bible says about different areas. Now, if you remember our verse that we used, key verse a couple weeks ago, 2 Peter 1.3 says, as we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. So that tells us that everything we're gonna face at some point or another is spoken of in God's word. Now the past few things, the past few weeks we've been talking about things that we struggle with, I think, internally. How we respond to our spouse, godliness, how do we react in our spirit, uh, disappointment with people, disappointment with God. You know, all those are, are focusing on how we react and what our emotions are at that point. And I think today we're gonna focus on the outward person, how do we live? How do we behave in front of people? What does God say about integrity? Now the common definition we use for integrity is integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. I think we've all seen that verse at various times. Now Wikipedia, now I'm not encouraging you to look up Wikipedia for information, but this definition they, is pretty accurate. It says Wikipedia uh, integrity is the practice of being honest and showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. In ethics, integrity is regarded as the honesty and truthfulness or accuracy of one's actions. That's a pretty hefty verse, but it's pretty true. The Bible uses, when the Bible uses the word Integrity in the Old Testament, it means the condition of being without blemish, being complete, being perfect, being sincere, soundness, uprightness, and wholeness. And in the New Testament, integrity means honesty and adherence to a pattern of good works. Now, I think today, you know, maybe it's not any different, but it seems like there seems to be a, a huge lack of integrity in the world. And especially for people who happen to be in the public eye. Maybe it's just because we see them, but it seems like there's a lack of integrity going on. And as for Christians, it's imperative that we don't operate that way, that we operate with integrity. We have to be different than those that are around us. We have to, be, we have to operate in a way that draws people to Jesus. What's, what's the number one complaint of people who don't go to church about people who do go to church. They're hypocrites, right? And hypocrite just means you believe one thing, but you do another. That's the definition of hypocrite. And unfortunately, they're right at times. And I'm sure we all realize that Jesus operated with complete integrity. Now that sounds, you know, obvious, but let me explain a little bit here. When Jesus was in the wilderness after being baptized, what happened? He was tempted for 40 days 
and 40 nights, no food, no water, right? Now, think about this just in the human sense. Remember, Jesus was not acting as God at that point. He was acting as a human being. He shelved his God characteristics. I think Philippians says he just moved it to the side. He did not operate as God. He operated as a man. So after 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. He's thirsty. Our, our old church, we tried that. We tried a 40-day fast. Yeah. And now we, we said you can have a little bit of water, but for the most part, we're going to try and do the 40-day no food fast. Not too many people made that. And the folks who did try to accomplish it actually got sick. And their bodies just did not react to that. So we said, okay, we're not going to do that again. But remember, Jesus did it for 40 days and 40 nights. So he is at his lowest point hungry. You know, hey, you know, it comes 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and I haven't had lunch yet. I'm hungry. This is 40 days. So the enemy is tempting him. What does he tempt him with? He tempts him with things that sound good. Hey, make yourself something to eat, Jesus. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And, you know, go ahead. You deserve it. Go ahead and have it. And what does Jesus say? He says, I'm not going to be tempted to do something that's going to violate the entire reason that I'm here. He had to be tempted, just as the Bible says, as we are. Had he given in, not only would it have ruined that moment, but it have ruined his mission because his mission was to operate totally as a human being, not as God, and he would have had to do that. And what he was doing was keeping up his integrity so that people would see what Jesus was doing. His integrity was intact. The, attempt, the enemy attempts him to quit. Jesus, who's going to know? You have the power. Make yourself some food. Jesus would no longer have been the sinless man to die. He would have been just like everybody else. The devil tempted him two more times, but Jesus was able to overcome the temptation and hold on to his integrity. How did he do that? Because he knew God's word. He was able to quote God's word back to, that, to the enemy, and he did the right thing even when no one was watching. No one would have known he did that. So how do we build up our integrity? How do we do the right thing when most times it's easier and even more expedient to do the wrong thing? Well, how many know who John Christ is? John Christ, if younger people know who he is, he's a comedian, Christian comedian, and he does some videos, you know, kind of uh, parodies of church stuff. And I've, I've watched him a number of times. He's, he's kind of funny. Well, it just came out this week that he was doing something stupid. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it, it sounds like his integrity is shot. When you compromise and you lose your integrity, it damages your witness to everybody. Everything you've worked for in encouraging them and witnessing to them, the minute you lose your integrity, everything you've done to that point is moot. How many remember uh, Michael English? Michael English, up and coming Christian artist, I think 80s, late, late 80s, early 90s. He was the guy in the move. And they were on tour and something happened and he goofed up with one of the girls that were on his tour with him. And what happened to him? I mean, it, 
every Christian bookstore pulled his CDs. I mean, he was just gone. He was instantly erased from Christian circles. Now, to his credit, Bill Gaither's kind of brought him back. He's been singing with Gaither's for a while. But it only takes one time of a lack of integrity to ruin everything that you've done up to that point. How many have ever thought to yourself, you know what? I shop at this store all the time. I spend buckets of money at this store, and it's very expensive. So they, when they gave me $20 back, too much and change, I'm okay with that because I deserve it. You ever walk out of the store with too much change? Did you ever have to go back into the store to give them change? That's the enemy telling you you deserve it. It's okay. Just compromise your integrity just a little bit. Jesus surely could have said, you know what? It's been 40 days. I deserve something to eat. But he didn't. So if we're to be like Jesus, and I want to, you know, spoiler alert, we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Romans 8, 29 says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So if Jesus was able to have integrity, we're supposed to have it as well. Now how does God expect us to do that? What are some of the challenges that God knows we're gonna face to challenge our integrity? Well, there's a whole list of them, but I've come up with the, the top three, I think. The first one is the temptation to go along to get along. How many know the name Neville Chamberlain? <laughs> Neville Chamberlain was the one who, who was tricked by Hitler into signing this peace thing, and he, he was all from Britain. He was assured that there was going to be peace in our time, and he was, he was willing to give up a lot of stuff in order just to have peace. Everything's cool. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go along to get along. I'll sacrifice a lot of stuff, but I just want to be peaceful. Well, we're going to be faced with decisions to either follow the crowd or not follow the crowd. Now, we think this is strictly for teenagers, but I think that it deals with adults too. Now, it doesn't mean we separate ourselves from people who aren't Christians. How many understand that? We still have friends who, are not, who need Christ. We still have friends that we want to witness to and share Christ with. But it means we don't get into what they're doing in order to do that. You walk into a situation, you know what, I don't want to start a fight. I don't want to appear like a freak to all my friends, so I'm just going to act like everybody else. I'm just going to make it peaceful. I don't want there to be any confrontation, so I'm going to do what everyone else is doing. I, I know in the back of my mind I'm a Christian, but I'm just going to operate like everybody else and do everything that everyone else is doing so they don't think I'm weird. Well, Paul addressed that in Galatians 2. It says this, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him publicly, speaking strongly against what he was doing, for it was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who didn't bother with circumcision. So he's hanging out with this group. He's hanging out with these Gentile believers. He says, but afterwards, when some Jewish friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of what the legalists would say. Then the other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was influenced to join them. He behaved two different ways to two different groups of people. When he's with the Gentile Christians, he's doing okay. 
But as soon as the other, his other buddies came, he kind of backed up. And what he did was he was shunning the Christian Gentiles. He's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not one of them. Those guys are great. I'm one of you guys. How often do we engage in things outside of here that we would never do with other Christians maybe with you? Maybe you're going out after work with all your work friends. No Christians, no church people with you. Do you operate differently with that group than you operate when you go out with Christian friends? Do we, are we afraid of what our secular friends would say if we hang out with our Christian friends? Do we play two different roles? Are we different here than we are out there? Integrity means doing the same thing here on Sunday mornings that you do every other day of the week. Obviously, we don't sing and worship, but we act, we have integrity, we live Christ-like all the time. If you play two different roles, you are just getting rid of your integrity because you are being a hypocrite. You are saying one thing and doing another. If you're a different person outside of here than you are in here, then your integrity is lacking. Integrity means you're the same person regardless of who you are with and what you're doing. I'm not saying go, don't go out with your friends, but maybe don't go out with your friends depending on where they're going. And if you go out with them to dinner, do you behave? Do you swear? All those things, you know, those things that all your friends are doing, do you do that to go along, to get along? I know people who tell me that, that they just can't be Christ-like at work because, you know, it just doesn't work that way on the job. You've you got to be different on the job. You've got to be tough. You've got to be, you know, you just can't be Christ-like on the job. That tells me your integrity needs work. It also tells those around you that you really don't believe what you say you believe. If people know you're a Christian or they know you go to church and you don't act that way at work, they're gonna think that you don't believe what you say you believe. And they're not gonna want to know you. If you believed it, if you truly believed it, you would operate that way all the time. How often do we join in on the gossip at work? Do we tell bad jokes, cuss, hang out with people and do what they do just to be like them, just to be friends with them? The reason that Christ tells us not to be like everyone else is because we have what they need to see lived in front of them. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. If you act like everybody else and they think you're no different than them, there's gonna come a time in their lives when something hard comes up, a difficult situation, maybe a sickness or a family thing, and they're gonna want some information. They're gonna need somebody to talk to. If you're just like they are, you have nothing to offer them. But if they know you're different and they see your love and they see the difference in you, they're gonna come to you when they have that need. And that is exactly why you are placed where you are so that you're able to be the light when that person needs someone to talk to, 
Someone who knows God, you're the person. But if you're no different than them, then you don't have anything that they don't have. If you, if you remain friends with people, but you're able to keep your integrity, then you'll be the one that they turn to when they have something that they have on their heart. It doesn't mean your life is perfect. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. But they see the difference. I, I, in my office in, at work, when I was saved, I was a new Christian at that time, and they all, everyone in the office knew it. And I remember uh, one time I, I, I did something on a sale that was kind of, eh, you know, questionable. And everybody found out about it. And for the next two weeks, every time the enemy office would say, hey, Jeff, what did you do in that sale? Why? Because they knew I was supposed to do it right and I didn't do it right. And everyone, within a matter of seconds, knew it. And every time I would say something to them about Jesus, they would come back with that instance. But I will tell you that when I was there, there was a girl in the office, we were friends, and at some point along, she was a single lady, and by the time, a couple of years into working there, she found herself pregnant in a, in a difficult situation. And the first person she came to was me. I'm not saying that to puff me up, I'm just saying that she saw something. And she was asking my advice on what to do at that situation. And at that time, she was probably 21, 22 years old. And I was trying to tell her what God says about it, but, but the point was, she saw something in me that I was able to talk to her about it. That's what our goal is, so that when people have difficult situations, they know that you're the person they can talk to about it because you have the answer. But if you live like they live and do everything they do, you've got nothing more than they do. So now we have, that was the go along to get along mentality. And here's, the, here's another one, number two. Everyone's doing it. And Christians are doing it. How many of you as parents have heard that phrase? Everyone's doing it, Mom. Everyone's doing it, Dad. And what is your response to that? If everyone jumped off a bridge. We had a... And it's, and it's difficult when other believers are doing it. There was, a, there was a place in our town. It was a bar six days a week. And on Sunday night, they turned it into an under-21 club. And a lot of our youth group was going to that. But we wouldn't let our kids go. And <laughs> we had knockdown drag on that. But the point was, I don't care if everyone's doing it. It is a bar and you're 14, you're not going to the bar. But it's not a bar, not so, I, I don't care. You're not going. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, sounds pretty inclusive, you must do all for the glory of God. It doesn't matter if everyone in the world's doing it, is this act glorifying God? Is what you're doing pleasing to God? If God were with you, would you take him with you? The fun thing is he, he's there, right? Everywhere you go, everything you do, God sees it. I was telling the kids this morning, we were talking about honoring your father and mother. And I said, 
what would, would you do the same thing if, if your parent was looking over your shoulder at everything you did 24-7, would you do all of it? I'm like, oh, no. I said, well, guess what? God is looking over your shoulder 24-7. So your parents are going to find out. I used to tell my kids all the time, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. Someone's going to tell me, someone's going to see you, and I'm going to find out because that's how I pray. And I think... They haven't told me otherwise, but I think I found out everything that they used to do. We had a lot of people in our church and everyone knew who they were and it was great. They hated it, but it was great. I'd get calls, oh yeah, I saw your daughter driving today. Oh, did you know? How was she acting? Was she driving crazy? You know, you know. So we found out. Sometimes we found out the hard way, but we found out. It doesn't matter if everyone thinks it's right or if everyone's doing it. God's word tells us that we have a standard to keep, whether we like to do it or not. Now, one example that I just picked up was the world thinks premarital sex is right. And I I wrote down here, everyone's attention's gonna perk up. Every movie, every TV show, advertisements, everything you see says that's right. In fact, it's usually couched in a like a romantic comedy type of thing, and it looks perfectly natural. I read an article in a Christian magazine called Relevant Magazine. You ever, anybody ever hear that magazine? They, they referenced a poll that Gallup did. Gallup says this, 76% of evangelicals believe that premarital sex is morally wrong. Now, we, sounds good, right? What should that number be? should be 100%, right? right? So you got 24% of Bible believers don't believe the Bible. That's, that's the, or they don't care what the Bible says. When your life contradicts what you say you believe, your integrity is questionable because you're not living by what you say you believe. Now you think that would be the worst of the survey, but it gets better. It says, 76 believe it's wrong, but 80% of evangelicals, that's us, admit to having it. We think it's wrong for you, but not wrong for me. There's a huge gap in what is being taught versus what is being practiced. Or what we say we believe, 76 say it's, it's wrong, it's wrong, but 80% do it. That is the definition of a lack of integrity. When you say you believe it, and yet you violate it, and you think it's okay. Remember the story that Jesus gave the parable? The dad asked the two sons to do their chores, and the one son said, no, I'm not gonna do it. The other son said, yes, I'm gonna do it. And the one who said yes actually didn't do it, but the one who said I'm not gonna do it came back and did it. Who got critiqued? The son who said he was gonna do it, but didn't. If we say we believe the Bible and fail to do what it says, we are kidding ourselves. In fact, James tells us in 122, And remember, it's a message to obey, not just listen to. 
If you don't obey it, you're fooling yourself. First John 2, 4 says this, if someone says, I belong to God, yet does not obey God's commandments, that person is a liar, and the truth does not live in him. That's pretty strong medicine. If we say we believe God's word and we don't operate in that manner, God says, you're a liar. <laughs> what that's telling us is if you're not living with integrity 24-7, now, we're not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes. But your goal is to live with complete integrity. If you're not doing that and you don't care, the Bible says you're in trouble. I'm reading a book that says uh, about integrity. And he says you start with, if you wanna maintain integrity, start with easy stuff. Start with telling the truth all the time. Now we say that's easy. But really, is it? You go to a neighbor's house or a friend's house and they serve you dinner that you don't particularly like, and they ask you, do you like it? He says a person of integrity will tell them kindly, but tell them that they don't. When you lie, what's the what's phrase? A lie is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He says, start with that. Start with being consistent in just telling the truth for everything. Don't make up excuses. Don't, don't try to sugarcoat it. I mean, make it nice. Say it in love. But be truthful. If you can do that, that's a big step on your way to integrity. So if your wife asks you, does this outfit make me look fat? <laughs> Two things. Wise, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask. And if you do ask, don't get mad if we tell you the truth. So we've got, everyone's doing it, and we got, you go along to get along. And this is the third one, and this is the one that we've got to work on. Obeying God is going to cost me. If I act with integrity, if I do what's right, it's gonna hurt my career. It might cost me friends, you know, it might get, even get me in trouble. I might have a hard time with my family. Yeah, you probably will. In Acts, when the apostles were confronted and told to stop preaching, what happened? These are the, the authorities in the town. This was the, the Jewish law. And they told them to quit preaching. Acts 5.29 says, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. If your spouse, your boss, or your friends, or your kids are telling you to do something that you know is wrong, your integrity requires you to not do it, regardless of the outcome. I remember when I worked in the city, same company, um, the branch manager called me in one day and was asked me to do something I wasn't comfortable with doing. And now I, I'm not recommending you do this, but this is kind of, you know, I was 20-something and I was dumb. But I said to her, I said, you know, I got to tell you, Deb, I don't work for you. I work for God. And everything I do for God, I got to do above board. Well, that didn't go over too well. But it got the point across. And I'm not going to do something to compromise it in order to make a sale or do something that I'm not comfortable doing. 
and your boss or your job or whoever might ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, you know is questionable, integrity requires you to not do it in spite of what the outcome might be. Now, for me, I mean, her and I didn't get along much after that. But I still, God honored me in the job. And I was able to stay there years after everyone, it was a high turnover in this place, and I was able to stay there for years and, and even got promoted until, you know, until I went to the ministry. But I believe that God honored that. Not that I'm anything special, just do what God asks you to do. God takes care of the rest. Now, not always the case, because sometimes you will suffer for doing the things that are right. Acts 5.40, after they said, eh, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And it says, then they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. So when we do what God tells us to do, we have to be ready for the consequences, whatever that might be. But integrity requires you to do it in spite of the consequences. Verse 41 says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor in the name of Jesus. And what did they do? Verse 42, and every day in the temple and in their homes, they continued to teach and preach this message. The Messiah you're looking for is Jesus. So they said, don't do it. And the apostles said, I don't care, we're doing it. They got beat up, they got flogged and sent out, don't do it again. And they did it again. (laughs) Now, that's the kind of integrity I kind of want to have. That I'm not going to waver at hardships. I'm not going to give up my integrity for a momentary peace, happiness, whatever it might be. I don't want someone to say that you, and, and trust me, people are watching our lives. How many know that? If they know you're a Christian, they're watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake. And the moment you do is the moment they're going to latch onto that, and that's the only thing they're going to remember. Our job is to maintain that because in the process, people are watching how you react to situations. In my case at work, God honored that, and people saw a difference in God allowed me to do what I needed to do. And people saw that I wasn't doing it underhanded or questionable. They, they saw what God was doing. If I would have done what was required of me or asked of me, none, nothing else would have mattered because everyone's witness, or my witness to everybody else would have been tainted and they wouldn't have listened to me. It doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. I was, you know, young and stupid, so I did dumb things. But the difference was They knew it was momentary. It wasn't a lack of integrity. It was just a dumb mistake. And I think God calls us to work through those dumb mistakes, allows us to regroup from that and maintain your integrity by doing the right thing. When I first got saved, before I got saved, I was, you know, not a nice guy. I was a nice guy, but I was a jerk. And I actually had appropriated to myself things that weren't mine. If you understand that vernacular. I stole. And after I got saved, I had this merchandise in my house. And I knew what I had to do. I had to take it back to the store 
and give it back to them and tell them that I took it. That was tough. But I did it. And I was, you know, Hale's willing, you know, they were going to call the cops. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. But I did it. But, and they didn't. And they laughed about it, actually. And they said, why? You were gone. You, you won't work here for five years. What are you doing? And I told them why I had to do it. And I got to witness to three or four or five people there at the desk at the time, not believing that I was even there. And I got to share the testimony of what Christ did for me to those people that were listening. Working with integrity allows you to have a, a powerful witness. People will listen to you because you suffer for what you believe. You're doing the right thing regardless of the outcome. Now, if you find yourself not doing that, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, examine yourselves to see if your faith is really genuine. Test yourselves. If you cannot tell that Jesus Christ is among you, it means you have failed the test. Paul writes, I hope you recognize that we have passed the test and are proved by God. Now he's talking to the church, but he's talking to them about their process of doing things. Are they living for God? And in, in our lives, and we can examine ourselves, we know when we don't have integrity. We know when we blow it. We know when we kind of shirk on things and do things underhanded. The Bible says if you're easily able to give in, if, you're, if you do that very easily, that you just compromise your integrity, no problem. The Bible says you might wanna, you might wanna reevaluate your position with Christ. Because the test is, do people see Jesus in you? It says if you, if, if you cannot tell that Jesus Christ is among you, it means you fail the test. If people can't see Jesus in you, in spite of your mistakes, if they see you operating like everybody else, and doing everything that everyone else is doing, they're not seeing Christ in you. And he's saying, you might want to examine yourself to see if that faith is really genuine. I'm gonna close with this verse from Peter. 1 Peter 3.10 says, if you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. Verse 12 says this, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. You want God to hear your prayer? The Bible tells us do right and you'll hear them. And I can assume from that that if you don't do right, he won't. Ultimately, God will honor a life that is lived with integrity Regardless of what happens to us or around us, at the end of the day, you're not gonna regret doing the right thing. It may be painful right now or harmful right now, but you know in the long run, it's gonna be a blessing. I look at the way I used to be, and my kids don't know a lot of stuff that I've done. I don't want them to know. I want them to know me now. You regret stuff you did in the past, stupid things that benefited for five, 10 minutes an hour. You wanna do the right thing now so it lasts forever. When you do with integrity the things that you do that are right, those are the things that, that hang on. And those are the things the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, the things that we do for God 
they're either going to be wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. And whatever makes its way through the fire is what God's going to recognize. So if all these things that we do, whether we do it for a good reason or a good motive or a good, good cause, if they're done without integrity, burned up. But all the things we do for God or how we live our lives, that's going to be the gold, silver, precious stones. That's going to survive the fire. In the Bible, what's Jesus going to say to you when you walk into heaven? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want to hear? You know, little kids, they want, their, they want to hear their parents' approval for things that they've done. That's what they want. Little kids, man, it, look, Dad, I did this. Look, Dad, I did this. And they want your approval. Trust me, when we get to heaven, we are going to want God's approval. We're not going to want God to say, oh, yeah, okay, head in. We want God to say, man, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Would you stand as we close this morning? Close your eyes for a moment as we pray, if you would. You know, we don't want to let some of the choices we make here and now carry with us the rest of our lives. And a lot of times if we act without integrity, those are the ones that follow us for a long time. We want to live our lives as much as we can. Again, we're not perfect. We, we are sinners but we are saved by grace. We want the things that we do to matter. We want the things that we do to be right. So that not only will our Father say, good, well done, well done. We want other people, we want our kids, we want our parents, we want our neighbors to see us doing the right thing, not so they can see us, but so they can see Jesus in us. Let your light signs Let your good works follow you. Let your good works go before you so when people see those good works, they don't really see you. They glorify your Father in heaven. How do we live? Do we live doing the right thing? And push comes to shove, I'm pretty sure that all of us know what the right thing is to do. Father, we do thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness that covers as your word says, a multitude of sin. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd fill each one of us with your spirit, allow us to really be cognizant of the things and the choices and decisions that we make. And I pray that everyone in this room and everyone hears this message, that we operate with integrity, that we do the right thing. Not so that we can get applause or a pat on the back. We want people to see us They want people to see you in us, Jesus. And we want our lives to be something that people want to know more about. And if we operate in integrity and we operate doing the right thing when everyone around us is not doing the right thing, people take notice. And maybe we'll be the ones to talk to them about Jesus. And we want to hear when our life is over. Well done. You survived it. You lived with integrity. You did what God asked you to do. You lived according to the word. And I know it was tough. I know it was difficult. I know you suffered a lot. But you still followed my word. Well done. Well done. Enter into your reward. 
Father, thank you for allowing us that excitement, that anticipation, that we know that when we do the right thing right now, we may not get instant accolades, but we know that, Father, we will get your approval, which is really the only thing that matters. Lord, bless each person here. Allow them to leave filled with your spirit, encouraged, challenged. Help us to check our lives, examine ourselves, and allow us to live our lives with as much integrity as we can, honoring you as we live that way. Now, Lord, bless us as we leave today. Allow us to operate in the fullness of the Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. See you Wednesday and then next Sunday.